follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Thank you for joining us. Gentlemen, how are you feeling? Feeling good. <laughs> I forgot that I'm the one who usually says that first. And if I, and if I, if I don't, it throws off Brad. Well, no, because if, if, I, if I say, oh, Matt's not talking, like the second I even start, like I step all over you. Like I'm always like a second too slow. I'm also doing well, though. I have to say, I thought it was a little uncalled for when Adam Cole no-sold those gunshot blasts to the face. Oh, gosh. You know, it's... Well, it's because they haven't been built up as a finisher, so... Yeah. You know, you got to build that kind of thing up. <laughs> anyway, uh, we want to say thank my, you for I lost joining my, us. I lost my shiny object that I play with while we talk. <laughs> want to say thank you all for joining us. Glad you could be with us tonight. We'll get our couple shout-outs out of the way. First of all, our affiliate, Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarandElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code 4CORNERSPODCAST. That's the number 4, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast, to save 10% on your order. Matt, our other shout-out goes to the one and only... That'd be the Epico Cologne, um, or Orlando Cologne. As he's known in his uh, in Puerto Rico. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. He is he, not uh, a ri- he is not ricochet. I realize yeah, that after saying one and only. He doesn't need a shotgun blast to the face, but if he did receive them, he would uh, he would overcome them because that's the type of champion that he is. He would sell, but then he'd come back. Mm-hmm. He'd actually sell. He wouldn't get up in thirty seconds and uh, then continue the match. <laughs> He might uh, go to the outside and uh, and and sell for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and and uh, that's 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 smart. I like that. So anyway, tonight we are going to go back into the archives. We had a little discussion amongst the three of us, and we said, you know what? We're being too contemporary. We need to do some old stuff. And so we we bantered back and forth a little bit. And, Brad, what did we come up with? Well, I suggested an episode of World Championship Wrestling, and Matt and Shad were, why would we pick this random episode from a January 1989 episode? And I said, because this is the episode where Ricky Steamboat returns to the NWA. So we are doing the January 21st, 1989 episode. I believe this is available on the network. It is. It is also... If you can find it. It's also chopped up on YouTube. If you just type in SN and then the date, it's all there just chopped up. I would recommend that because you get the original music because I'm pretty sure they edited out Bad Street USA on the network. They did. Yeah, I don't recall hearing it. Yeah, Yeah. it was definitely there because I watched it on YouTube and got the, you know, the real music. Yeah, you also don't have to deal with the awful user interface for mm-hmm. WWE yeah. Network. Yeah. Even just okay, so I, I watched it. I actually watched this on the network. Mm-hmm. Even just scrolling through like the searches and, and like the list of shows is is worse. Yeah. Like, what do they do? Come on. It just doesn't. It doesn't. They took a a. I mean, an an okay. Um, they took it. They took an adequate. I'll call it adequate. They took an adequate UI. Yes, and and they made it worse. A usable and, and adequate UI. 
usable, adequate, maybe not top of the line, but no. you know what? It was it was okay. It was and good then, enough. yeah, I mean, it, it was okay. And then they they were like, "Hey, we've got this. Uh, we're we're gonna make this as hard as possible. It's gonna." Yeah, this was this was. Hey, I need to justify my salary, so I'm gonna fuck something up that doesn't need to be fucked up. Yeah, yeah, that's an accurate statement. Because I so. I've worked in companies, and I've seen companies where this happens a lot. <clears throat> and I do wonder, because they said they lost 10% of their subscriber base, I wonder how much of that loss was due to this change. Oh, man, that's... I I don't... Do, I, I, I don't remember, but do they have a thing when you say, I'm canceling my subscription? Do they have a thing where they ask you why? They do, but I don't think it would be for this. It's usually like I can't afford it. I don't have a need for it. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I think there's not have, a blank. That's they, like, there might be, but how many people do that instead of just canceling? I would. <laughs> I would do that in a heartbeat. It's I'd really just, be, just know. the way it lists stuff is just like it feels like it doesn't like they waste a lot of the screen space, and it just I don't like it. No, it's, it's, I mean, the worst part for me is that it's just so clunky. I can't find what I'm looking for without it being like a research project. And, so, and what shocks me is it's actually worse than that basic Roku skin that all the other indies use. It's worse than that. Mm -hmm. And that's not even that great. Right. So, yeah. so anyway, I, you can find it eventually. It's gonna take you a while. Yeah, just just pour yourself something to drink, um, grumble under your breath a lot, and uh, you'll get there. I will say it's really hard with with the network though because I hate when they edit the music out, but it's it's so nice having that like crisp like restored look to the shows. Because some of them, yeah. really, it's like especially the the studio world championship wrestlings look just gorgeous, restored. Yeah, they really they look really nice. I agree with you on that. It's it's very different than some of the memories for watching it are, we, and so you know Cause that's it's, great because it's just it's really sleek. It's you know it's definitely aged, but it, there's just something really nice about it. Um. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a trade off, you know. It's yeah, you're gonna have uh, you know you're you're not gonna have the music, but you'll have a better look. So I think the only thing that would be unacceptable on there is um, the ECW hardcore TVs because I feel like for ECW having the contemporary music is essential to the the time period that it was out. You you cannot have an ECW show where um, the Sandman does not come out to enter Sandman. Yeah. That just doesn't... That, that misses the point entirely. It's part of the mystique in the atmosphere. It, it helps you leapfrog over the fact that you're getting ready to watch a Sandman match. Yeah. <laughs> so this is actually a really <laughs> interesting time for the NWA slash WCW because... In this January to February time frame, there's actually a, a massive amount of change in a short period of time. So, you know, just a couple weeks before this, Dusty Rhodes got fired. Um, Tony Schiavone leaves a couple of weeks after this. I think the next episode, J.J. Dillon sells the horseman to Hiro Matsuda. Um, Barry Windham leaves in another month. Like, there's just a lot of change that goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt Mixon's favorite wrestler, a Ranger Ross, pops up <laughs> in another month. Uh, I thought it was... Um, Ranger Ross isn't one of my guys. Yeah, what was it? It was... Uh, <clears throat> the Gambler is one of my favorites. <laughs> what, was, what was that guy's name? Was it the, the Colonel? Not not 
Colonel Sanders. Um, Colonel Robert Parker? The No. God. Are you talking about the South Africa guy? Colonel He Dears? came out of, No, no, no. Maybe it's not Colonel. Maybe that's not the right rank, but the dude came out at the beginning of like the Great American Bash. Oh, Sergeant Craig or Pittman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm not as crazy as I thought I was. The beatings That's will really continue until morale yeah, improves. He's, he's way later. He's like 95. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's years later, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, All also, right. so this is, so I don't know where this show falls in because this is, there's a rapid fire succession of booking changes. So Dusty, of course, gets fired <coughs> for um, some spike incident with the Road Warriors or some blading incident. I don't remember what it was. So then I think this is around when uh, Jim Crockett has the book like in a short transitional period. And then they go to George Scott who screws everything up horribly. And then it goes to like the Ric Flair committee. I think I remember. Band of three months. I think I remember. uh, I know this, this might be a, this might draw ire, but I think I remember some Cornette stories about that. Cause you said it, what it was George Scott, like um, Crockett said that he could be a maintenance booker for a little while. Yeah. And George Scott and then, booked mid Atlantic in like the early eighties, but he came back and he had no idea like of the talent or what he was doing. And he, I think he was referred to as the only person I've ever seen be rude to Bobby Eaton. Yeah. And he pretty <coughs> much got fired because so we, I think that I think that there was an ad for that Clash of the Champions on this show, but that Clash of the Champions did like some beyond awful rating because they didn't like <laughs> they did like no build up for it um, on the show. So a couple years ago, I watched <coughs> all of the TV from this time period, mm-hmm. and they did like no build for that Clash of the Champions. I I have to admit I'm always perplexed by people who don't do build for big shows coming up. Like like old school guys not doing build for shows coming up is so mind-boggling to me because that that was always such a big thing that you hear talked about. Like, oh, you know, we could talk them in the building. It's like and then you watch some of the the booking done by and like in this case George Scott or something. It's like you guys didn't talk them into nothing. You t- you talked him into staying home. Like even what? the even the 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 Barry Windham Lex Luger match at Chi Town Rumble, they barely uh-huh. touched on that on TV other than announcing it was happening. I and I don't understand that. It, it I, I I don't get it. Why would you do that? Why? I know it's a dirty phrase with the the connection it has to gaming companies now, but you you are literally leaving money on the table by not doing that. And there's a lot of like so even even like the announced team. So Tony leaves. They bring Magnum TA in for like a month, and then they eventually like change that to Michael Hayes like a month or two later. Okay. And then obviously this is still on Techwood Drive, and then they they eventually in April of this year they go to Center Stage to kind of freshen the product up a bit. Uh huh. And I think I think um I think definitely when you look at this show versus like what WWF looked like at the time, I think the studio yeah. was starting to look a little long in the tooth. As good as it looked, I think the, the Center Stage change was a big upgrade for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's uh, let's kick this off. Um, we open the show up, and it's Tony and Jim Ross, which is kind of an interesting announced team to see because, you know, of AEW right now. Yeah. <laughs> it, the interesting observation, at least for me, is that after all of these years, Tony Schiavone's voice sounds exactly the same. It kind like, of does. There, yeah, maybe like slightly changed with age, but he still, um, when he gets excited, it's it's still the same. Which is yeah, weird. It, in MLW, he was sounding really old, but his um his quality of work really took a step up for AEW. Yeah, it, it's just 
that's really fascinating to me in that you you have someone who did this for so long to have that little variance in it. You know, JR sounds very different than JR used to sound. And we get it, you know, you're getting older and that sort of stuff. Well, I but mean, Shivani, JR's had some severe, like you don't, yeah, like that Bell's that, palsy thing really screws with your vocal cords and stuff. Yeah, that's also true. And, and, but, you know, life happens. And so you get that sort of stuff. But, and this version of Shivani is like the, uh, uh, I'm going to lose the, it's like the bound, 1980s bounty version of Shivani with the mustache and everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, I may not have exactly expected that, I think but, he you actually, know, his voice sounds the same. I'd have to go and look, but I think he shaves that off for WWE and it never comes back. I think you're right. Um, I guess he has, a, he has, like, a beard in AEW, though, so. Yeah. It's like a goatee thing going on. Yeah. Well, as as Arn Anderson, maybe it ties in with something Arn Anderson once said, is that, you know, he's using all that testosterone elsewhere, maybe his moose shampoo, so. If if he's not doing that now, maybe he can just go ahead and grow the beard out. So we kick it off. Uh, they bring out Eddie Gilbert. He talks about how he has a mystery partner uh, for today's main event against the Horsemen, which are NWA World Champion Ric Flair and NWA United States Champion Barry Windham. Mm-hmm. And he cuts a he cuts a pretty good promo about it. Um. Okay, maybe it was just in my sleep-deprived state, but was this promo broken up into two pieces, or am I, like, was I just... No, they bring him back out. Really? Okay. I didn't understand that, and also, to maybe this was just... Maybe this was just an 80s thing, but I also didn't understand the sweatshirt as part of the interview attire. But, um... In it, with World Championship Wrestling, um, in the two-hour version, they would often have guys come out twice. Okay. It wasn't uncommon well, to see. It wasn't uncommon to see guys come out and do two interviews. Okay. On a show. Fair enough. The, the like I get, I'm coming out in street clothes because I'm trying to sell. You know, I'm I'm here. I'm not geared up for the match yet. That sort of stuff. It's just looking back. Uh, from our, our comfortable vantage point here in the year 2020, when it sounds like we should be drinking moon juice, um, it, it, I just look at it and I'm like, D- dude, guys no. only guys only interviewed in their ring gear if they were having a match in that same segment, usually. Right, right. But just the 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 like embroidered front sweatshirt. I was like, dude, yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> So then we kick off with our first match, which is Michael Hayes versus Russian Assassin number two. Mm-hmm. Number two. Yep. Number two. Number two, which is Jack Victory. <laughs> if it was Russian Assassin number one, that is the Angel of Death. Um, Jack Victory. Paul Jones. Yes, number yes, one, Paul Jones. The, they're, they're part of the Paul Jones army. Yeah, the last remnants, because I think Paul Jones is gone like within a couple weeks of this. <laughs> there's so much there's just so much people gone in a couple of weeks that it's it's like a um oh brother where art thou reference ain't this ain't this show just a chronological oddity everybody's gone in a couple of weeks it's like the it's like the last remnants <laughs> of that mid-80s crew just kind of gets cleaned out minus a couple names and like the 90s really come mm. crashing in okay. Well, um, I had a couple of observations just in general about this match. Number one, Jack Victory acted as a a really good kind of um, clean palette, uh, you know, like a, a blank canvas for uh, Michael Hayes to work against in this match. And and that's not easy to do, right? Like to still be a threat, but then also not overshadow uh, the guy you're working with. Yeah. So I, I appreciated that. That was that was good. Uh, and Michael Hayes uh, wears dad tights because <laughs> you like like the Freebirds were never the the 
you know, they were never going to be candidates to be on the cover of cover of like Muscle and Fitness, but he had tights that came all the way up to his belly button, and there was still some some loose movement going on about the torso there. <laughs> He's really trying. He was really trying really hard to still be like cool, and it was like, dude, you're you're like really falling behind the times. Yeah. Well, and it's but, like the moonwalk was it hasn't been cool for about two years at this point, right? Um, the uh, <laughs> I don't. I seem to remember. Maybe I'm just remembering wrong, but I, I thought that they had a uh, another um, like the Freebirds had another tag title run after this. They do. Michael or, Hayes turns heel in a couple months. And then he forms up with um, Terry Gordy and Jimmy Garvin. Okay. And then okay. eventually, it eventually changed a little bit because they eventually get Brad Armstrong as Bad Street. Mm-hmm. This is probably oh, the, I remember that. Yeah, this is probably that. That's probably more the era when Matt started watching. But they're absolutely wretched, like in that run. <laughs> they are. Um, they rebounded slightly when it was like him and Jimmy Jam, Jimmy Jam Garvin. Um, when it was just the two of them, they they pushed them a little bit in like early, the very early nineties, like ninety one, ninety two, because they had a run with like the United States. They also had a run with like the U.S. Ti- tag titles before uh-huh. those belts were like discontinued. Yeah, I think I remember that. That's like ninety. I want to say that's ninety two. I think that because I remember them being involved with something with Bill Watts, so it had to be ninety two. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Watts made a lot of money with the Freebirds, didn't he? Yeah, he did. So, that's what I thought. So it would make sense that he he was wanting to use some properties he was aware of already. Um, but yeah, that that was that was the it was hard for me to unsee that once I saw it early in the match. You know, considering this was a Michael Hayes match, I actually thought this was a fairly enjoyable longish squash match. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a perfectly like sh- relatively short and expensive inexpensive in inoffensive inoffensive like squash match be- between Hayes and Russian Assassin number 2. Like I thought it was enjoyable in a weird way yeah if you want to see this match done wrong watch the shy town rumble match with Hayes and russian assassin number one if you want to be bored out of your mind <laughs> mm. but yeah, I, I thought this was i thought this is a decent opener especially like when you get into these squash matches i mean if you get something if you get something of this quality you're usually doing good mm-hmm well i i I, I didn't think it was like, yeah, Hayes won, but uh, Jack Victory did such a good job that his he he was on offense a fair bit of the time, even if he wasn't. Um, he, I, I didn't feel like it was even really a squash match. I just thought it was a it was a match that Hayes won, but um, I, I don't think I. Maybe an enhancement mash instead of a squash. The, the, the Russian assassins are kind of weird because they're kind of like that SD Jones level where they would beat other jobbers, but they probably would not beat anyone with actual name value. Right. Yeah, they would be winning against like Joey Mags. Yeah. Or like uh, the Italian Stallion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I know, like, I remember far too many early 90s uh, WCW jobbers. We need a uh, we we need a we need a, a good term for that. Um, they just j- like job jobber jobber plus or something. I don't even think cuz like I wouldn't even call them a a jobber to the star because they didn't really use them to win on TV. They were just kind of like your high-end jobber. That's what I'm saying. Is this like jobber plus or yeah, I don't know. Is there a? We're gonna have to kick that around and find a good. Uh, yeah, they'd be like the equivalent of like if you watch those um those mid '80s WWE house shows. They're like they're like Moon spot levels. 
need a good name for this, and I can't. I know, but you can't, like, they don't, it doesn't fit, like, I don't, like, I guess they would be a JTTS, but, like, I, I just don't see that because they don't win on TV enough. Like, if you go back and watch, right. like, WWF TV, like, Coco wins a lot on TV. Like, yeah, he takes losses on TV, but he also wins a lot. Is that, I guess maybe that's what would be the difference between jobber and enhancement talent. Would you think that would be a fair statement? No, it's it's hard though because they're all like they're all they're all like jobbers, but like some guys just get more than other guys. We'll have to mm. think about it. Yeah, we'll kick it around and then super we'll jobbers. do a mass unveiling at some point. Yeah. <laughs> super jobber. Okay. So up next we have. Wait, uh, well, that, did you have anything else you wanted to put in on this? No, I, I agree with Brad that they they kind of didn't do enough with them. Uh-huh. Um, but they, there was like there actually was like a weird tier. Like some people actually did get wins. Like the Cuban assassin, like Fidel Sierra, would sometimes get a win over like. I don't know, like Jim Powers or something. There was a, there was a hierarchy with amongst the jobbers. Yeah, because because um, I know because I've seen Rocky King or Italian Stallion pick up victories on. Yeah. On WCWTV. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I just want to say the other thing though. Speaking of SD Jones, I swear to God. Pick a random show from the late seventies or early eighties, and you will see a just horrible match between SD Jones and uh, Baron Mikkel Saluna. <laughs> Stakluna. Yeah. Yeah, or you would see uh, like, oh God, let me think. You'd see like Chief Wahoo McDaniel versus like uh, Rene Goulet. Oh, That's no, like the no, early eighties. Jay Strong, though, you mean? Oh yeah, Chief Face Strong. Oh yeah. Um, or you would you you would maybe see uh, Jose Luis Rivera versus like Jerry Estrada in like a twenty minute match. Oh god, it would be. And you want to claw your eyes out? Yeah, and I, I know we've said it on the show before, but I think bottom five talents of all time for me, Chief J Strongbow. He was terrible. Oh, awful. He was really like uh, just absolutely terrible. Honky Tonk Man's favorite wrestler, right? <laughs> he he was bad in a way that's like you can't like there's no reason for it. Like there's some people who are who are just like the worst. Like like, like Ellie, Yeah, like or Elegante slash Giant Gonzalez, who just was extraordinarily limited. Like Great Kali. Although Great Kali is like he might as well be Bret Hart yeah. when comparing to like Chief Chase Strong. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like I I've been entertained in a weird way by by giant by Great Kali <laughs> matches. No, Chief Joe uh, Strong, Strongbow, like it's it's um it's just profound how bad he is. Mm-hmm. It's funny because recommendations like this are exactly why I have never watched a Jay Strongbow match. Um, wasn't even a real Indian. You have to watch. Native American, oh yeah, he's an, he's an right. Italian. No, there is yeah. there is one. If you can find the shark cage match with him, it's hilarious because they're in this little cage in a ring, and he had this like this Hulk up thing he does, like mm-hmm. it's like this this like Indian war dance thing he does, and, yeah. Um, he does it inside this tiny ass shark cage where they can barely move around, and it's hilarious. <laughs> That's the only Jay Strongbow match I will ever, I will ever um recommend to you and i will say the one positive about jay strongbow is he is not his son he is not jules strongbow who had no redeeming qualities as a worker <laughs> Ooh, that's uh no everyone everyone hates him like he like if you if you watch any show that like does old stuff and jay strongbow comes up he gets universally just punched <laughs> So um, his promos aren't even good. <laughs> How did he get to be like a, apparently such a name? Then I guess is because well, here's I, the thing. Here's the dirty secret of New York wrestling: it sucked. <laughs> That's kind of true. It was if you, watch, if you watch enough of like the old stuff, 
<laughs> I dare anyone listening to this, and I dare you, Shad. Go find Uh-oh. go find a mid seventies house show for WWF. There's a couple on the network. Watch it, and you will be bored out of your mind by the third match. I'm wondering if I will be like offended at how bad it is. Oh, you'll be offended when you get All to right. when you get to. When you get to like, because they'll do the main event midway through. When you're getting to like the curfew match and it's Larry Sharp, you're gonna just be like, "I hate my life." Well, I might just turn it off instead. But no, it's it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's like, and it, it's well known because you'll hear people talk about how, you know, the after mags hyped up New York as this great thing, and then they'd finally see it and they were just like, "Oh, this this is not good." Like, there's a reason Southerners said that they, like, when they brought WWF to TBS, people were like, we want the real stuff back. Mm-hmm. And even, like, the storytelling in WWF it was not very good. So is that why that title stayed on Bruno as long as it did? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of their style. They were they were a face promotion. Mm. I Yeah, I mean, I would defend Bruno. I think Bruno actually had good yeah bruno's and good he, and he's he's a he, that's kind of promo. what i was he did have crazy charisma yeah that's kind of what i was trying to build towards is that bruno was the only guy there that would have had the um you know the the goods to uh you know like hold that title which is why he did well, see, for so long see they, the way they actually had an ingenious system so the heels actually didn't matter because every heel got managed. So you either came in and got managed by Freddie Blassie, uh, Captain Lou Albano, or the Great Wizard, or the Grand Wizard. So um, okay. So they had their like caliber of guys. So some of those guys did talk, but a lot of times, like when they were doing their bumper promos with Vince, the manager did all the talk. So. It was really about their moving and shaking of those three guys, and the heels really didn't matter mm-hmm. because they would usually usually what happened there is so the heel would come in, he would beat guys on his way up, do his title program with the champion, job out on the circuit once or twice, then he'd go back down, lose to all those guys he beat on the way up, and then he'd be gone. And how long would one of these circuits usually take? Uh, you might get like a a three month run with the champion, mm-hmm. depending. Cause you do like so you do your MSG, then you do like the Philly Spectrum, Boston. Yeah, and the Boston Garden was like the main thing, and then you'd have okay. your spot shows. I think they had a DC venue they did too. I've heard really, it said I, I, I never saw any of those like on the network. They'd run like um. Maple Leaf Garden a lot. Yeah. I have a I have a comp someone did, like, of all the major, like, they did, like, a, con- a contextual look of the promotion from, like, 1979 through, I think, right before Hogan came in with, like, a lot of mm-hmm. promos and the big matches. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see the promotion in that regard, but it wasn't very good. Okay. But yeah, gotcha. so it's it's pretty much those those three managers are the main focus of the bad guy side, and the the heels are are pretty. They come and go. Okay, gotcha. The um, okay, all right, fair enough. But that's I also, mean, that sounds like some pretty good money to come in for a pretty short time. But that's also how you kept your like gatekeepers over is they would get there. They'd get their win back when they start going down. Right. It keeps right. the ecosystem alive, which is uh, actually really smart. Yeah. No, I think the way to keep it alive is parody booking. And so no one is stronger <laughs> than everyone else. So you mean the heel should lose every match up to getting the title? <laughs> yes. Wow, that's just and, brilliant and, enough and to work. The, and then alternately, alternately the faces always lose so that they look like chumps Ooh, that's yeah. Then you put the, they, yeah then you put the title on them so that everyone clearly sees that they're uh, well established yeah yeah genius 
Brilliant! <laughs> wow, also, that's... every match has to have 24 finishers, and they have to kick out of all of them. I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to do you one better. How about 25 finishers? Oh, wow. Okay, that's that's innovative. That's that's revolutionary, Brad. Yes. I, I don't... I, 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 where do you come up with this? I'm just... Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm floored. I mean, and then halfway through, halfway through the show, we have to have Poppy um, do a song. That's did no one get that joke? No. Okay. Uh, could you explain, Sorry. please? I'm stupid. So. Poppy, Poppy is like a pop star who became famous, um, sort somewhat virally, but also based mostly through like YouTube, and uh, it, it's. I guess now she's more of like a conventional pop star, but she was more of like a kind of a creation by this one guy. Um, and for whatever reason, like Triple H is like obsessed with her because she's now done like two or three WWE shows. Ew. Is this like when they yeah. were obsessed with, I don't know who this was either, but like when they first went to Fox and they had Marshmallow on like. A bunch Maybe. Of I mean, at least. And their audience is all over is... 50 and don't know who Marshmallow is? Yeah, Marshmallow is a successful EDM electronic artist. Yeah, but that's not exactly uh, oh, no. No wide one... popularity. I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I keep up with what the kids talk about on the Twitters and other things. So right. I, know, I know who Poppy is, but I can't imagine that the, the usual... Uh, 55 plus audience for WWE yeah, I, shows. I mean, I, I, is. I'm 39, and when it comes to pop pop culture, I might as well be living in a monastery because I don't <laughs> know anymore. Who was it that? Where was it? I don't. I don't know if it was a Pax or if it was like a um, an E3 or something like that. They had DJ Khaled come out and perform, and he's like. Hey, everybody, say my name. And everyone's like, uh-huh. could we see Jonathan Colton, please? Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, DJ Khaled is kind of funny. I don't well, know who but he is either. Oh, okay. Uh, hang on. Let me see if I, I can. He's uh, kind of like a DJ who would remix um, other artists stuff but then he's actually been featured on songs before okay he's very loud no matter what got something 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 however that song goes is that him never mind don't worry about it then we don't worry about it um it's like i'm aware that he's out there but no that's not a Like, uh, I try and keep up with what's going on, too, but the problem is there's an awful lot of I just don't care, right? DJ um, DJ Khaled also got uh, kind of virally famous for this weird little motivational <laughs> speech video that he put out there. I, okay. Dude, I don't know if you heard it. Here, I'll play some of it. You small. You very small. <laughs> Best. You're a genius. <laughs> you loyal. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. You're loyal. <laughs> I changed. I changed a lot. <laughs> and it goes on like this for like. Win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> there it, it is. Goes on like this for like two minutes. Like. Them doors that was closed, I ripped the doors off and took the hinges off. And when I took the hinges off, I put the hinges in the hands you know I, I took the whole door off and the hinges and I put it in the <laughs> it's just weird and bizarre I took the I, hinges off that's, put it in the boy's hands what what does it sound what what does it say when I hear this motivational speech and go can we get that Shia LaBeouf motivational speech back yeah <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't even like really keep up with the memes that well anymore. The only one, um, the only one that of the brand new ones that really amuses me is the, the woman yelling at the cat. Oh yeah. There's yeah, always, that's a good one. there's always like a well-made, like someone freaking out and then the cat showing up always gets a laugh out of me. 
Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Up next, we have straight. Yeah. We what were we gonna do? Oh, uh, Butchery <laughs> beat George South. Butchery beat the piss out of George South. Yeah. So this is weird because so this is kind of I think this is a this is around this might be his return, but so he's managed by J.J. Dillon, but he's not a part of the Horsemen. And I've asked right. before and someone answered me, like, I don't know if he was going to end up a horseman and it got messed up by JJ leaving. But so he kind of just does his thing for a while. And then he eventually, you know, forms doom with Teddy long and, um, and, uh, right. Ron Simmons and coming up in, because the road warriors are the tag champs right now coming up. I think it's clash six that Teddy long gets pissed at them and fast counts them and costs them the belts. Oh, by the way, Teddy Long refing matches on this show. Yeah, he yep. refed at least two of them. Yeah, it's... With hair. Well, Man, with like COVID-style hair. hair. Well. He had like... <laughs> he almost had like a... like a He almost had a skullet going on. Yeah. yeah. He would eventually have that hair versus hair match versus Paul Ellering. Oh, man, that's uh... That's high stakes is what that is. Man. So this was, I mean, this was your typical squash match. I don't think there was anything that spectacular about it. No. No. Um, I, I, I mean, we saw, uh, we saw him, we saw Reed do a, a flying lariat for the finish i guess so that's a uh, you know that that was a uh, at least up to this point in the show that was i think about the highest spot there was to have yeah i i believe he i believe he loses the sting at shy town rumble okay just as how I, long was this before he died he bleached his hair uh blonde that was wwe this is post uh bleaching Oh, okay. Because that was the joke. He was the natural Butch Reed mm-hmm. with his blonde yeah. hair. Right. Kind of like the uh, the Buddy Rose blow away diet, right? Yes, exactly. All right. So then uh, up next we get, we get the Varsity Club coming out uh, for a promo. This is a pretty much um, Mike Rotunda saying he wants Rick Steiner because he wants the television title back because a big moment at the 1988 Starcade was Rick Steiner beating him for the television title, which got like a gigantic pop if you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. So uh, then, then Kevin Sullivan chimes in and starts talking about the Road Warriors and pretty much talking about Kevin Sullivan things. Yeah. Yeah, he was, um, though he was with the Varsity Club, he was very much in his like... Still in his 80s, like, satanic garb. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think that the Varsity Club's an underrated gimmick. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I kind of do, too. I, I beat, like they, it. They beat the piss out of these. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, job or two. Randy Hogan these, and Gene Miller. These poor, mm-hmm. short, balding jobbers just got the absolute dog's not beat out of them. Incidentally, it still bothers me. When um, it still bothers me that Kevin Sullivan doesn't wear knee pads, like I, I'm guessing he never did. But no, it's I like I, I do it, that. That bothers me when people don't do it in a in a big way. But yes, they they. Um, they just beat the dog snot out of these guys. Oh, this was this was just this was a mauling. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty like Tony Schiavone and Jr. are just like, oh yeah, these poor bastards are about to get killed. Let's just talk about the varsity <laughs> club some more. Yeah. Oh man, they, there's no question. They don't even pretend. They're just like, ah, oh, here comes the varsity club. Well, they're not going to waste any breath that's, on these guys. That's the best part. That's the best part about like. 
World Championship Wrestling in the 80s is just seeing, like, these poor jobbers get destroyed. Like, Nikita <laughs> Koloff just murdering guys. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Hey. There's the, uh, that's the long-standing joke, is that uh, jobbers would, whoever they had as jobbers working the the jobber circuit, who would go into the, uh, who would come into the, the tapings and see that they're against the Steiner brothers and be like, oh, god damn it. Yeah. Because they knew they are going to have a bad day. Didn't someone say that someone came in and saw they had, like, the Road Warriors or something and just quit on the spot and was like, this isn't for me? <laughs> Foley, Foley said that people would come in, see their name opposite Vader, and quit the business. So... This is actually how Foley... This is the year Foley started with them. Because have you heard how they started him in the the NWA shad? Was this the... Um, this wasn't they were bringing him in to feed to Sting. No, so this, this is, was... This was, uh, the, the, so they... This... So a couple of them liked him, but he, uh-huh. they couldn't convince the company to bring him in. So what they do right. is they, they kept bringing him in for like job matches so he would they would they would put him in these job matches and tags and then his partner would eat the loss and then he would turn and he'd on beat his, up his partner and then do an elbow drop off the apron onto them on the floor yes i remember that now because he talks about how he almost missed the first time he did it because he, he got them too far away right because he talks about that like how that like and i think cornet's talked about this like they they pretty much just did the most ass backwards way of getting him over which was jobbing him out but then having him do something cool afterwards right mm-hmm. they'd have him beat up his partners for making him lose um and 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 then yeah like he, he had, I think Foley's description on the one that you were just talking about was he didn't so much drop an elbow on the guy but a wrist and three fingers yeah pretty much that one's on YouTube I think if you can find it Okay. There's if you go to the, like the really early wrestling challenge episodes, you have to dig around a bit. But he's Foley's on there doing some jobs. I think he jobs the Kamala once, and I think the the there's okay. a British bulldog squash on there, and I think he's wrestling as like Jack Foley maybe. Okay. Yeah, because they they wouldn't let him be Cactus. Yeah. I think it was. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm with you. So we get Eddie Gilbert coming back out. Uh, he cuts a similarish promo, but they kind of show the lead up, which is the week before he had had a, he was challenging Barry Windham for the television title. Ric Flair interfered, and then they pretty much beat him down. Okay. Match. But they also talk about, they also talk about how they don't know who his partner is, that like a guy in a mask showed up to sign this contract. Mr. X. Mr. X. So they they butchered this on the network, obviously, because they didn't use the proper music. But so the the horsemen come out. Eddie Gilbert comes out. You know, they kind of they kind of pause for a minute. And then if you've heard it unedited, like it's it's that it's that sports like music from the 80s that Steamboat used. I don't know what it's called. Okay. And then. So then, like, Flair is just, like, in shock as, like, Steamboat comes walking out. Um, what I liked here, though, is, is Shivani and Jim Ross were excited, but they weren't, like, over the top. I was thinking the whole time, like, wow, I could count all the ways that Michael Cole would screw this up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, there's no no question about that. And I love Flair telling him, like, I don't remember the exact race, like, you don't belong here or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny watching this show up to this point. It, I was like, eh, it's fine, it's fine, whatever. And then we hit this. Oh yeah. And it's just like, oh, because I was, and I'm not even like I was so out of it because I had a, I had a, I know it was a long weekend, but I had a long weekend, and so I sat down to watch this, and I'm just like. Oh, slumped over, and I'm watching. And then all of a sudden, I had forgotten entirely who the mystery partner was. But we see Steamboat comes out, and he just goes 
Well, he goes Ricky Steamboat on him, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just like, ah, damn. Sometimes, sometimes, I, I like I know how good Ricky Steamboat is, but then sometimes I kind of forget, and then I am reminded. I'll see something, and I'm reminded just how good Ricky Steamboat really was. And it's just like, oh, man. And we we got to see that here. This is like four really good work-rate guys in the ring together, too. Right, right. What I loved about this, though, is how, like, how JJ and, like, the horsemen are just, like, freaking out and how tentative they are at first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, how serious they're taking it. Which kind of comes, like, plays into later in the match. So, you know, Steamboat does, like, back and forth with both of them. I actually liked his, like, some of the stuff he did with Wyndham a lot. Oh, yeah. Because Wyndham really let him do, like, some of that, like, slide between his legs and stuff. Like, Wyndham really let him kind of show a little more off, like, where he and Flair kind of went a little hard, like, on the chops and stuff. Yeah. And there's also and then Steamboat gave them back. But this match is also a great reason why I think this style resonates with me more than WWF does for the same time because there's like this, there's a gritty like dirty element to this match like it's technically like proficient as it is. The um, thing that I, I enjoyed watching this is that this is like Steamboat comes out and he just you know just as we said, just goes crazy on the guys. And then uh, Gilbert comes in. And I was kind of worried that Gilbert was going to be forgotten in the in the the big aspect of Steamboat's return. But Gilbert comes in, and then he's, he's facing peril. And it's not even like... It's the best way I can put this. Gilbert comes, at, comes in, and they start doing face and peril, but it's not like... We don't have a whole bunch of, like, uh, almost stuff. Like, Flair and Wyndham cut the ring in half and just destroy him. I also like... Like, these guys know what they're doing and kill them. I also like mm-hmm. it. I also like that it's a, it's a very underused spot today. I liked how he got his hope spot in and then went to the wrong corner. Right. He's just going for the nearest corner to yeah. try and stay on his feet, I think. But what I liked here, like I said, the horsemen are very tentative and like they're on point for like 75% of the match. And then they're starting to get a little cocky. They get a little cockier. They get a little cockier. And then Wyndham goes up to the top and he really didn't need to. And he gets some serious air, totally whiffs. Right. And then Steamboat gets tagged back in. And then it's some more back and forth. He comes off the top rope and he pins Ric Flair. The hot tag I want to I want to touch on for just a second because this was like Wyndham misses and he rolls over and he's reaching for it and Gilbert's going for the tag too and the uh, Flair came in just a little bit too quick so he had to back up just a touch for Steamboat to get in the ring but it was not a we both lay here on the mat forever and then we start slowly crawling. And we start slowly, and then we reach for our partner in slow motion, almost like we're trying to climb a ladder in a wrestling ring. They, they're they just like, oh, God, oh, God, I got to get there, and tag, right? And and things just pick up and go. And that I, I love that so much. God, it kills me to see the, the moment stretched out. And so, so obviously, Steamboat pins Flair. Crowd goes crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I thought this was a really good tag for a TV like main event. I thought this was a fantastic match. It was. It showed everyone looked fantastic in this. I mean, Flair is obviously Flair. I thought that Barry Windham got a lot of chance to shine, and I was. I forgot. I mean, I know he was a great worker, but having not seen a lot of his work for a while, I forgot just how goddamn good he was. He was so good in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. He was he was legit probably one of the top workers in the entire world. Oh, we should do... Yeah. We should we should for a show do like the the Flair-Wendham matches from like 87. 
Mm-hmm. He was so good, oh, and he he was awesome. He, he was, was awesome in this. He was he was when he was on, he was elite level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Eddie Gilbert was great as like the face in peril. Yeah. Um, I thought he showed a lot of fire. Like he was so believable as just like the baby face trying to get his revenge. Yeah. Uh, and then of course you have Ricky Steamboat who just came out like a house of fire and looked like a million dollars again. And everything he did was so like crisp. Oh yeah. It's just effortless. Oh. This was an amazing match. Like if you had to, I know we don't really like rate like star rate on this, but what would you give this? I'd give it about three and a half, maybe. I would go at least three and a half. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might such a good match. Yeah, this is was... like everything. About, I'm sorry to cut you off, Shad. This it's is okay. like everything that I loved about like late '80s, early '90s WCW, especially like with these like shows. Is that yeah, you'd have like your jobber stuff, but then you'd have like a really killer main event or just some match that you would watch and it would just be like awesome. Yeah, it's oh man, it was really good. Mm-hmm. It was really enjoyable. Here's the thing: there was a lot of personality that you could see in the main event without it being cartoony or mm-hmm. or gimmicky, I guess. So that was really enjoyable. And, you know, we got to have a really good match out of it. There's just so much to enjoy in this. Uh, just this one match. And Gilbert, you know, Gilbert was great at being a babyface without being the bland aw shucks thing, right? Like, his charisma was, you know, he's a good guy and he's trying to, you know, get some payback for wrong that was done to him without him being naive or stupid. He had some edge to him. Just just a little bit. But even he didn't Steamboat, have to have even a whole Steamboat lot. had a little edge to him, like getting out of the ring and like trash talking flair and stuff. Yeah, Steamboat rolls out of the ring and went over to, to uh Shivani and Ross to grab the mic to um to talk some trash, it's just, and it, it it just fits so perfectly. Yeah, and then I really so. liked the next part, like where it says steam, like Steamboat and Gilbert like walk over to the table, and like Gilbert's all excited that he got one over on them, and Steamboat's just like, you know what, like I've never been a world champion. Like, yeah, like I want to be the world champion. And then Flair just like is going ballistic about this, and they're saying like they're gonna get that mm. that strip from the from the book because they didn't have time to like prepare for this. And you know, right. it was a dirty trick and flair is just going absolutely nuts over this. He, yeah. he is not being a, a, he's not being a good loser right now. No. And that makes you hate him even more. Yeah. That's, there's so many people as a heel and I've seen this in big leagues. I've seen this on indies. These people who, as a heel, don't want to be hated. They want to be the heel because they don't want to be the good guy, but they just they don't want people to hate them too much. And it's like, guys, come on, really? Ser- seriously? Come on, get out there, get people to hate your guts, and they're going to love it when you finally do go down. What well, especially oh, well. this, like the way Flair handled the aftermath, like he didn't lose anything. No, he didn't. He didn't lose. Well, the one that kind of the Flair mo is somebody shows up, usually in a tag match, beats Flair. This parlays into a championship match or maybe series with Flair, and at the end, Flair comes out still with the title. Yeah, pretty much. So he looks vulnerable early. He looks vulnerable early. The other guy looks really good. You get a new title program out of it, and in the end, Flair squeaks it out. He's still the champion. He still talks his trash, but the guy he beat is not killed out of it. Now, the, yeah. the, the, one of my favorite things is from '85 when he was kind of doing stuff with Magnum TA. He like comes mm-hmm. out and he's like, he's like all excited. He tells Magnum TA that he got him this like he got Magnum TA this like custom made suit and spent yeah. all this money on it. And he goes up there and he wrestles, and Magnum TA comes out and he's like, "Wow, he's like he really got this for me." And Flair, like, wins his match, and, like, T.A., like, gets in the ring, and he's just, like, he's, like, hey, like, wow, you got this for me? And then he tears it up right in front of Flair. Yeah. And Flair's just, like, oh, my God, what did you do? And then, like, 
TA just like beats the piss out of him. It was great. Uh huh. Or or my other I love or my other favorite one, which I think is an all time great moment in wrestling, is when he um he takes that little tiny like A cup bra and puts it on Ricky Morton's head. And he's like, yeah. he's like, you love the little teeny boppers. Like I like the big girls. And then Ricky Morton just takes his sunglasses <laughs> off his head and stomps on them right in front of him. Yeah. If, yeah. You're going to get in my face. I'm going to piss in your Cheerios right in front of you. It, it, I love the, um, and I know we've bandied it about before, but I love the, uh, the, the gift gimmick thing. It's like, Oh, I got this thing for you. And it's either whoever gets it is insulted by the gift or they end up destroying it to make a point. Because we've talked about that with what the stud stable um, yeah. with well, the nation of domination. That's still happening today. And we literally in the last like four or five weeks, you had Jericho getting John Moxley. Yeah. Super, super expensive car. It was a, yes. the inner circle. And it was uh, a Ford GT. Yeah, we saw how that went. So I think that always works. Like it, it establishes the heel as kind of conniving and trying to buy someone, and it, it establishes whatever face they're trying to get over. It kind of does prove the point. It's like you know what? I, what matters to me is taking you out or coming for yeah. your title. It's super. It is as simplistic as it could possibly be, but it actually gets the message over. Oh yeah. Well, funny thing that made Moxley's different is. He kept the gift. Yeah. <laughs> I did like that twist. It's like, yeah. oh, thanks. Oh, I, love I, that. I love that segment. I thought that was one of the most creative segments where they totally fake out the crowd. The crowd's outraged and everyone leaves. And Mox's like, hey, Jericho. He's like, I was just kidding, man. Like, your group's stupid. Like, you have nothing yeah. I want. And then he smashed yeah. it over the head with a bottle. Yeah. Oh, man. that That was really... It was taking a classic and then putting a spin on it, and I love that. That's excellent. But I just love that, like, dude, I was totally kidding. Like, you have nothing I want other than the title. Yeah. I loved it. I loved the phrasing was, I was just kidding. The inner circle's stupid. <laughs> it's just, it's just he, he doesn't mince any words. He doesn't try to go for a sick burn. He's just like, nah, it's stupid. I don't want anything to do it. And then when he leaves, he stops, unzips his pants pocket, and holds up the keys. And I was just like, I love, I love that so much. <laughs> he would take the car. $80,000 car. I mean, why wouldn't you take the car? Right. Exactly. I'd be like, I'd be like, hold on, like, before I join you, okay, titles in the, the glove compartment, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, oh, that was great. So, I loved it. So let's do final verdict and start with Matt. Matt, what did you think of this episode? Um, I would say very uh, enthusiastic thumbs up. Everything prior to the tag match, um, I thought was it wasn't anything special, but I thought it was perfectly fine. Um, but then the tag match was just like absolutely awesome and the aftermath too i thought was great and for those of you who know a little bit about uh 1989 wcw it it obviously like foreshadowed the sting steamboat program which led to a series of three matches i believe and like they are all i think dave Meltzer gave all of them five stars they all deserve five stars oh the the two out of three falls match is insane Mm -hmm. all of those all three matches are legit, like five star matches, and they're they're arguably they're one of the best like wrestling series of all time. And, and, and the crazy thing is, the end of Flair Steamboat Three ends with Terry Funk pile driving him on the timekeeper's table, and then gives us, it is such a great angle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because he's like, oh gee, like I was just joking, like because you know he asked for a title shot, and Flair's kind of like, you know, you haven't like really wrestled in the last couple years. And then yeah. he just sucker punches him and pile drives him like right on on the table. It was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it it's just this great segment in general. So, 
So, uh, Shad, what would your verdict be? Uh, to be honest with you, this is a, um, if I, in, in watching this, I would be of the opinion that while watching the Varsity Club and uh, Butch Reed whoop up on some guys is, is entertaining, you could probably just watch this main event and then you wouldn't really be missing out on much. No, I, other than getting like a so, taste of the promotion, I think. So, if 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 you're gonna, I, I would give the whole show a thumbs up. But if you were like, well, you know, I don't know about the rest of it. I would say just watch, just watch that um, the main event segment, and then that's like a two thumbs up thing. Like absolutely do that. Um, but you know, just the other stuff, kind of, you know, it, it it's it's good. It's perfectly fine. It's kind of chaff, though. That's kind of 80s uh, wrestling television. Right. Though. So it's... that. That's how I would summarize it. So I would give this a... Th- what about you, Brad? I'd give this a thumbs up. Uh, the, main, the main event was really strong. I kind of agree, like, the rest of the show is whatever. But for me... For me, the calling card of something I enjoyed is... Do I want to go and watch more of this time period? And I've been having the itch all day to go back and watch some 80s NWA slash Jim Crockett promotions. Mm-hmm. So I'd say this was a winner for me. All right. So um, we want to recommend you guys. Go. All three of us say go for it. Uh... I would. I, so if, if you're kind of interested in this time period, I would say watch the... What I would what I would recommend you do is you watch this tag, you go watch the three flare steamboat matches, you watch the angle with Terry Funk, then you watch the two matches with Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. And maybe just watch all of Great American Bash '89 because that Sting uh, Great Muda match is also really good. Yeah, there's just a lot of really good around this time period, you know. Yeah. It's, so, it's also funny um, if you watch um, the way they treat Muda on this because he's a heel, but the crowds are cheering him by like week two because he's doing like suicide dives and like moon salts and stuff. Right. And, you know, it's 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 an it's an NWA crowd, so it, I mean, I know work work rate marks were not a thing yet, but you can't have a guy doing cool stuff and not expect these crowds to cheer him. Yeah. So um, we you absolutely should check it out. So uh, hit us up on social media. Let us know what you think. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We keep an eye on all those. Um, did you like the squashes more than we did? Did you? Was there an observation you had about the main event that we didn't say? Please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. So uh, this is Shad here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. And we will see you next time.